Welcome to Shift 6, a developer-focused health tech podcast from Redox. I'm your host and the CTO at Redox, James Lloyd. Here we'll explore the ways amazing technologists are bringing new innovation to market, growing their teams, and dealing with an ever-changing landscape in one of the world's most complex industries. We believe that technology from diverse and empathetic creators holds the power to improve the lives of patients across the globe. We hope this podcast helps make your work in healthcare even more impactful. Let's jump in. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Frank McCreary, co-founder and CTO of Aptable, to the show today. Frank and I met way back in 2014 when we were first starting Redox, and over the past years, we've been Aptable users, collaborators, and partners. We've always had a tremendous amount of respect for the work they do and recommend their services to many of the companies that we work with. Welcome to the show, Frank. Could you tell us a little bit about Aptable and who your customers are and who you serve? Yeah, for sure. So we are a we're a software company servicing companies who are trying to be compliant with HIPAA, SOC 2, ISO 27001, and a number of other security and compliance frameworks. We've got a couple products. The original product we built is an infrastructure security platform called Deploy that puts guardrails on top of your AWS infrastructure to help automate a lot of the security controls around HIPAA compliance and other frameworks. And then our newer product is called Comply, uh, and that covers a lot of the bases other than infrastructure security. So everything from mobile device management to HR security and training to vendor management, we wrap all of that up in a platform that integrates with the systems you're using and automatically collects evidence to help you prepare for audits, answer customer security questionnaires, and a lot of the other work that goes into running a security program. From from day one, we've been very focused on tech companies and startups specifically. We uh, know that it's hard to launch a business in regulated industries, especially healthcare, and we wanted to make that as easy as possible. And that's really kind of why Chaz and I got together to start Aptable. If somebody wanted to use Aptable, can you use each product independently or do you use them together or how does that work? Yeah, you can. And most of our customers do use them separately. And even when companies do use both products, it's usually different teams or team members at the same company. So deploy is used by dev teams, DevOps teams, uh, and comply is used by the security and compliance team. So they play well together. But they they do serve kind of different sets of needs for the same set of companies that need to comply with HIPAA and other regulatory requirements. You sort of mentioned that some of the inspiration of of kind of teaming up with Chaz and how you got started. Could you just give us a little bit more detail on how you found your way to to founding Aptable and and kind of what led you down this path? Yeah, definitely. So for Chaz and me, it was it was largely the the, the idea for the startup came a lot later than the decision to start a company together. So Chaz and I were college roommates. We had known each other since 2002 when we started college. And we we knew for a long time that we wanted to start a business together. And Chaz served in the army for a few, he went to law school, then served in the army. And so about seven years after we were out of college, Chaz finally had the opportunity to leave the army. And right at that point, we got together and decided we were gonna start a startup together. Neither of us had any experience in the healthcare space, but Chaz had experience as a regulatory lawyer. That's, that was his role in the army. I had experience as a platform infrastructure developer working on deployment platforms and DevOps tooling. 
And right around the time that we started Aptable, there was a big change to HIPAA, which basically meant that companies that were not payers, in other words, insurance companies or healthcare providers themselves, but also any other service provider that, that provided uh, software or, or stored or processed PHI, in other words, protected health information on behalf of those covered entities, that entire class of service provider companies became regulated. So companies like Redox were not regulated before October of 2013, effectively became regulated overnight. And so that created this, this business opportunity to build a product that combined regulatory expertise with DevOps and infrastructure tooling to help automate HIPAA compliance for dev teams uh, building you know, apps in the healthcare space. And that's fundamentally why we started this product. Yeah, I, I would love to hear, kind of hear a little bit about some of the technology decisions that you've had to make as a as really an infrastructure provider and how that's evolved and some of the you know challenging decisions maybe you've had to make a, a, along the along the way in terms of trade offs and, and things like that. You know, our audience is pretty pretty technical and and you know making some of these same trade offs on a on a pretty regular basis. So yeah, I would love to just hear kind of some of the some of the important decisions you've had to make along the way. Yeah, for sure. So I guess to give a to go a little bit more in depth about how that first product, Aptable Deploy, how that works, we fundamentally we provide a container orchestration uh, software that sits on top of infrastructure as a service like AWS, and it locks down the infrastructure and provides an API for making any changes to infrastructure. So instead of using server automation like Chef or Ansible or Puppet to configure servers, you hit our API to trigger lifecycle events like new releases of software or scaling of databases. And, and so that's kind of the nature of the product. The interesting thing is when we launched Aptable Deploy, Docker was not production ready. It was version 0.10.0 and Kubernetes did not exist yet. And so a lot of things that we take for granted today in terms of container orchestration, we just didn't have at the time that we built Aptable Deploy. And we had to, we had to build all of that ourselves from scratch on, uh, on a version of Docker that is even less stable than the one that exists today. So I think that's, that, that's kind of one area of complexity is how do you build a container orchestration framework without a reference standard? Another broad area that I think we, we, we faced then and continue to face now is this trade-off between flexibility on the one hand and kind of assurance or integrity of security controls on the other. Because the more flexible you allow developers to interact with infrastructure, the more surface area you leave for mistakes and the, more, the, the less confidence you can be in, in kind of like how you're securing that infrastructure. So with Deploy, we took a different approach from most companies that try and tackle HIPAA compliance for developers. Most companies, they let you kind of configure AWS or other infrastructure providers as you see fit, and then they monitor for any issues, any security controls or compliance issues that aren't effectively implemented. We take a different approach. We lock down the infrastructure and we prevent you from doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. But the the trade-off is that there's less and less flexibility. You know, that that continues to kind of create challenges as we grow. So we we introduce flexibility in kind of the tools that you can use to interact 
with Deploy. So, you know, building things like Terraform adapters so that you can use infrastructure as code for your entire Aptable deployment. But but we we always butt up against kind of, you know, well, I want to use Deploy with Kubernetes. And and those are things that we fundamentally just can't address based upon the philosophy of the product because we're we're intentionally kind of preventing you from using something like EC2 or even a higher layer abstraction like Kubernetes or ECS in the interest of being able to lock down every aspect of infrastructure to make sure that security controls are in place. This might be a little bit of a, a leap, but there's an interesting parallel to kind of how how we work at Redox and how our philosophy has been a little bit different than the industry standard as well from a, a sense of standardization around a canonical data model and a, and a, and a fixed schema. A lot of the interoperability standards are highly configurable and highly extendable, which makes them not super interoperable. And so we've taken the taken the stance of having more of a strictly defined API and, and schema. But similarly, that does that does, you know, reduce some of the flexibility in terms of being able to add fields to a given message or something like that. But I think, you know, philosophically, I think the the motivation is is in a very, very similar place of being able to provide something that's reliable and consistent. Yeah, I, I totally see that. I think one thing that Redox has going for for you all is that very few developers have strong preferences about you know how they uh, interact with HL7 data, whereas a lot more developers have strong preferences about how they engage with infrastructure. Maybe I'm assuming too much there, but I, I think that the the way you're solving the problem is is pretty neatly placed and and we just have to be very careful that we're always providing enough value and enough flexibility alongside the opinions that we're putting on infrastructure. And can you tell me a little bit about the decision and the kind of rollout and everything about how you went about adding this the second comply product of you know getting to a second product release and kind of managing them both uh, at the same time might be an interesting topic for us to dig into. Yeah, of course. So like I said, you know, when we started Chaz and I, we were not that familiar with with healthcare. We had limited practical experience with security and compliance at startups. We learned a lot of it on the go. And as we were selling Deploy, as our customers were going through audits, audits with, with large enterprise customers, big name healthcare providers and payers, as they were going for high trust audits and other you know, industry and third-party certifications of their security, we realized that that the space of security and compliance is much, much broader than just what you do with your infrastructure and and your servers. And it covers how you how you manage your people, how you train them, how you conduct background checks, how you manage your device fleets. These are all challenging problems and kind of the complexity of them grows as your business grows. So the other way that we look at it is kind of when you start out as a startup, the majority of the security controls that you care about are related to your source code and your servers, because you're probably like a two or three person startup. And the number of people that you have is you know, negligible. The number of different vendors that you're using is pretty small. But as you scale up, things like HR security, device security, vendor security, all of those become a lot more important. And so we saw this opportunity here. The, the companies that were using Deploy were struggling to find software that helped them run the rest of their security program 
with the same amount of automation that Deploy provides. And that's where Comply came from. And that's why we're targeting that broader problem space today. Do you see any sort of consensus around where in the life cycle of a company, some of that, some of those compliance pieces come up, even just in general, I, I, I often hear questions around, you know, when does it make sense for me to get a high trust certification or when does it make sense for me to do SOC 2? As someone who's kind of interacted with a lot of companies wrestling with that question, would love to get kind of your, your, your sage advice on that. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And I would say that honestly, probably somewhere between 60 and 80% of our customers who approach high trust SOC 2, other formal audit programs, they do so reactively. So they don't actually plan for it and do it ahead of time. I'd say only 20 to 40% plan for it. The majority do it because either they get a deal that's big enough where the customer requires that they be high trust certified or, or have a SOC 2 report, or they've just faced enough pain and enough friction from going through painful customer security questionnaires uh, that they want to save time on those by being able to hand over a high trust assessment or a SOC 2 report instead. So the majority, I guess for the majority of companies, these these needs will come to you, right? So so as you sell, as, as kind of the the as you sell to bigger and bigger companies, as the nature of the data that you're dealing with becomes more sensitive, as you become a more integral part of the the stack that your customers are using, you're going to face in increasing pressure uh, to prove your security and compliance. And so it, it usually becomes obvious when when it it makes sense to to invest in SOC 2 or high trust because it, it really is an investment too. It's not something where you just pay an auditor and get a, a you know a PDF, although it might seem that way at, at times. Really, it's an investment in, in building the entire muscle around security management, and that that is something that takes both time and money. For us, as we've been going into health systems and supporting our customers that are selling into health systems, there's a pretty typical process of once you get a champion on board and ready to buy your product that you then go through some sort of security evaluation where they'll send you typically a questionnaire that's in a spreadsheet and then you go through filling that all out and they'll ask you a lot of questions and for us you know this is now probably 4 years ago going from not having a high trust certification to having one took that conversation and that questionnaire from multiple meetings and about a month worth of vetting to almost near rubber stamp type, you know, one meeting very quickly to review where the questionnaire actually mattered less than the certification in, in some cases. So, you know, I, it was definitely an investment, but from, you know, kind of calculating the return on that investment, I, I would say we've, we've seen that come through in our, in, in the ability to onboard health systems more quickly, for sure. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, it, we so we have an entire an entire part of our comply product is for helping with that sales enablement process that you described and making sure that you never get to a point where you you've kind of convinced the champion of the value of the product and then you end up losing the deal because you can't convince the security team of of, of your security posture and, and the fact that they should trust you and we've seen as long as months to go through that procurement cycle and investing in security management, getting all of these uh, audit reports, that can bring it down to, to days or, or, you know, maybe weeks, but, but certainly less than months. 
maybe would you mind sharing a little bit of kind of where you and your team are, uh, you know, concentrating now some of the interesting problems that maybe you don't even know you have know what the solution you're going to use is just yet or some of the kind of big areas that you're working on? Yeah, for sure. So the, you know, the big thing with, so I'll, I'll talk about each of the two products in turn. So deploy, which is the infrastructure security product, the delivery model for that has historically always been kind of the, the platform as a service model where we sit on top of AWS uh, and AWS is, is a black box underneath. That has prevented, it, it's, it's kind of prevented expansion for us. It, it works great for startups and for those who are really bought into the kind of security side of the trade-off with flexibility. But so what, what we're starting to just move our very first customers over to now is a new delivery model where you use AWS directly, and then you just run Aptable Deploy as a layer inside your own AWS account. And so this helps us sell into larger businesses who want full control over their AWS infrastructure. It also lets customers kind of choose the level of control, or let's say the level of um, flexibility versus assurance that they want. So they can use aspects of, of AWS and kind of toggle parts of Deploy's guardrails on and off, depending on on where they want flexibility versus where they want assurance. So that's pretty exciting with Deploy, and we're very early on that part of the product journey. So looking forward to how that plays out. On the comply side, the big thing for us right now is, so we have a platform that it allows, like we're basically trying to differentiate from other security management software, or what is called GRC, uh, which stands for Governance, Risk, and Compliance Software. We're trying to differentiate in two ways. One is by fully automating the process of compliance by integrating with the services you're using for HR, device management, uh, vendor management, and so forth, and automatically monitor for compliance issues. And then the other differentiating piece is handling all of the kind of trust network interactions. Like, for example, you're mentioning, James, responding to security questionnaires. Sometimes you'll still have to do that. And so we've built Comply so that you can you can intake and respond to those questionnaires on the platform. And when you respond to them, you can take advantage of all of the automatic evidence that you've collected in Comply to autofill those answers. So we've we've got a pretty exciting product there. And the path ahead is all about building a network because the more customers, the more vendors you have on this platform who are already using it, already kind of have fully loaded it with the evidence that they use to respond to questionnaires, it makes it a much more powerful and valuable experience for both sides. So over the next few years, we're trying to get comply to the point where you you log in and every software vendor you use is already there in Deploy. You can integrate with them directly. You can kind of connect with them and their security team to ask specific questions or to submit your own security questionnaires. and it's, it's all there for every startup to kind of engage. And the vision is that this will make every time costly process related to compliance, every, every security questionnaire that takes months, every you know, third party audit that takes months to gather the evidence and respond to it, all of that can happen as automatically and, and near instantly as possible inside the comply platform. How, do you, how are you going for that, you know, the partners and the other services that you're integrating with? Do you have a a process or a, a methodology that you're following to prioritize those or figure out which one comes next? And, and are you tackling them by, you know, I could see, you know, 
by utilization across a lot of different uh, use cases or get a bunch in a single use case or yeah uh, how are you taking how are you thinking about that yeah definitely i mean so there's two there's two kind of partnerships that we're focused on now one with auditors who are the gatekeepers right now so partnering with you know with specific auditing firms audit syndicates like high trust and working with them to be able to kind of make sure that what whenever our customers use comply they're doing so in a way that helps them pass an audit as quickly as possible since at least for the time being that's how this is going to work and then the the second area is prioritizing the the different vendors and saas providers that we integrate with in order to automatically monitor compliance um, and there we prioritize based upon what customers are using most and how impactful it is to the security program so something like aws or google cloud platform that ranks very highly on the list because both of those have uh, broad market adoption and what you're doing with those providers has a big impact on whether you're meeting your compliance requirements there's a lot of security controls in high trust for example that relate to infrastructure configuration and so we want to make sure we we cover it as as broad uh, percentage of kind of the security requirements that a business has as possible. Maybe shifting gears a little bit, since we're both in the space of, you know, really acting as a service provider to largely to digital health companies, I thought it might be interesting to talk a little bit about what you've seen work well and what maybe works not as well from a technology standpoint of, of getting started today. And, you know, if somebody was going to Start a start a health tech company tomorrow. You know what sorts of things should the the CTO of that company be thinking about? What kinds of decisions should they be front loading or or putting off and, and that kind of thing? Uh, is there anything that you would recommend or kind of give us a a bit of a guideline to to get started? Sure. I mean, well, the first thing, and it, it, <laughs> this is a plug for both Redox and Aptable, but you should not be reinventing the wheel. I think that that has been kind of the the modus operandi for healthcare for a long time is every single new entrant tries to reinvent the wheel, building their own EMR, trying to, to solve for HIPAA compliance in a new and unique way. And that that's not what you should be doing. You should be focusing on what differentiates your product and business and adds new value. And that means, it means buying rather than building when it comes to common problems like medical records transfer or parsing uh, HL7 data, or solving for HIPAA compliance. So, so invest in those things early. Make sure you have a clear understanding of the landscape, but don't try and build a new solution. And have you seen anything about the way teams grow, or the way you know the the types of kinds of investments that certain teams are making that se- seem to pan out better than others in terms of you know h- hiring? generalists versus specialists, or, you know, I'm thinking of anything from, you know, from like the recruiting and team management standpoint that might be interesting to either like an engineering manager or an early, early stage CTO. I think the most valuable thing that we did at Aptable was build our recruiting brand. So what that means for us is, is we identified what was unique about Aptable as a company. And for us, it's that we're a distributed team. And as a result, we focus very deliberately on building and documenting our culture. And so we publish our kind of internal Aptable charter online for everybody to see. And it turns out that, that of all the things that we've tried to do from a recruiting perspective, that has, it, it has helped attract candidates and attract the right set of candidates, the ones who are well aligned with our values. And so we went from 
basically spend we we averaged hiring one engineer a year to in 2019 we hired we hired 10 engineers and in 2020 we've hired eight new engineers which is a, a very significant portion of our company size all while spending less effort so that's the the one thing that i would recommend which maybe not wasn't what you're looking for but really invest in kind of like a public brand and try and differentiate it the other thing is we started by kind of getting the the some of the more both senior and specialized engineers in place first so that they could be there to mentor the the all of the remaining engineers that we hired from that point forward so kind of like build the anchors of an engineering team even if those aren't going to be kind of managers in the org chart to start make sure that you've got the bases covered for important things like have a front-end expert have uh, an infrastructure expert have a security engineering expert especially if you're working uh, in a sensitive area like healthcare and, and then let the team build around that i think we've We've seen a lot of similar things on on our end too. Uh, where we've we've also, I think we both came up about the same time, uh, really embracing the distributed culture. And yeah, you know, I think the other thing we learned is just there's there's certain components in the interview process and just learning about how people work that you know distributed work requires a lot more uh, trust and autonomy than maybe in person work does. And so really trying to find ways to to filter for that level of you know adaptability and, and transparency and, and, and comfort in, in your work has is, is definitely been part of part of the process we've we've embraced as well. Yeah, I, I think we, we probably started Redox and Aptable just months apart because I know we were going through the same growing pains. And yeah, I don't know. The analogy Chaz and I use is that uh, a startup is like a pie eating contest where the reward is more pie. And so it's like <laughs> all the challenges we had when we were first getting started, like you revisit the same sorts of challenges again, whether it's kind of building product or growing a team and they just take on a new shape and you're still just as inexperienced as you were the first time around. But I guess maybe you have developed the muscle or the, at least the calluses to be able to weather it. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today, Frank. And uh, in closing, are there any recommendations for resources for developers either in healthcare or just getting into healthcare that you would recommend folks check out? Yeah. So we, we have a few. We've tried to, you know, as I've mentioned, we're, we have built Aptable catering to startups. And so we've got a few resources that we offer. We have a HIPAA compliance guide for startups that is on .com if you just click under resources. We also have a, an introduction to security management, which kind of after you set up your, your HIPAA program, you can use that to, to kind of flesh out the rest of the program, prepare for other audits like SOC 2. We also, we did a webinar two weeks ago with High Trust and NCC Group. So for any, any teams who are thinking about what High Trust would look like or who are actually contemplating uh, going down that path, we did a webinar on, on what goes into prepping for and, and getting High Trust CSF validation. And so I'd recommend all three of those. And like I said, you can get all of them from just going to aptable.com and clicking on resources. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. And just, yeah, just to close this out, if folks are interested in getting in touch with you, what's the best way to, to reach out? Email, probably just uh, frank, F-R-A-N-K at aptable, A-P-T-I-B-L-E.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Frank, and have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, James. Hi everyone, James here again. Just wanted to thank Frank for being on the show, and I wanted to thank you for listening and helping us get Shift 6 off the ground. If you like the show, subscribe and leave us a review. It helps us out a ton. 
If you have any feedback, email us at podcast at redoxengine.com. We'd love to hear from you. We've got some more great episodes lined up, so keep an eye out. And until next time, thank you for listening to Shift 6, a podcast for healthcare developers.